the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Bread for the World is a collective Christian voice urging our nation's decision makers to end hunger at home and abroad. It has been at this since the early 1970s and has had a profound impact in helping to change policies, programs, and conditions that allow hunger and poverty to exist. And here to tell us about this work, it's a pleasure to have with us the Reverend David Beckman, the president of Bread for the World and the 2010 recipient of the World Food Prize. Good evening, David, and welcome to the Business of Giving. Thank you, Denver. Thanks for having me. Tell us how this all got started. You've been at this for some 45 years now. What is the founding story of the organization? Well, the the founder was Arthur Simon. He's a Lutheran pastor whose brother was a senator. At the time he started it, he was a pastor in a really poor neighborhood in New York. Um, so he was just seeing a lot of people who needed help. And uh, But his brother was a member of Congress and was saying, it doesn't do much good for churches to pass resolutions about what we ought to do. You need to organize people in the district to talk to their own members of Congress. And so that's how it got started, and it became a national organization very quickly. Um, and really since the beginning, since 1974, it's just remarkable that um, – a network of well-meaning people across the country who are concerned about hunger, poverty. If they take time to uh, contact their members of Congress, especially if it's on specific things, if Mm -hmm. they know what's going on in Congress and they tell their member of Congress, I want you to co-sponsor this bill, I want you to vote for this bill, uh, that's very powerful. And to have people in New York, people in Idaho working together. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> unusual, too. <laughs> and it works. It works. Yeah. And we also, it's Republicans and Democrats, we uh, we really are careful to to work on issues. We think to win, typically you need to have both Republicans and Democrats working together. And, and the faith basis of Bread for the World actually helps us get in the door on both sides and yeah. get them to work together. How do we define hunger, David, and how many people in the world go to bed hungry uh, every night on a regular basis? Well, uh, typically we define it differently for the poorest countries in the world and the USA. Mm -hmm. In the USA, we have hunger, but the typical pattern is uh, just millions of families um, run out of food before the end of the month. The wage check runs out, their SNAP benefits run out. So the last five days of the month in lots of homes, in lots of months, Maybe five days out, mom stops eating pretty much, and mm-hmm. then the last three days, the, there's no food for the kids. So that that kind of intermittent hunger and uh, moderate malnutrition is characteristic of millions of people in our own country. It's completely avoidable yeah, um, and does damage, especially to the children and the health of the, and of the adults, too. You know, it results in, in uh, obesity, mental illness, well— very expensive to our healthcare system. No doubt about it. And um, globally, there are 800 million people who are uh, chronically without enough calories to make their bodies work right. Mm-hmm. So those people who are hungry in the most literal sense, the kids die in large numbers, and adults are often, you know, they don't, they can't, they can't work. They don't have energy to 
they don't have as much energy as they ought to have to be fully functional. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a terrible causes huge suffering, of course, but it's also just a terrible waste of of human capacity. And it's what's maybe most important about hunger is that this is a fixable problem. Yeah. In fact, the world and our country have reduced hunger and poverty in recent decades. It is a fixable problem. We know a lot about how to do it, and uh, mainly what we need is more— I'm a preacher, so there's a theological term for it. We need more organized give-a-damn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we— <laughs> I'd never heard that technical term. <laughs> well, you know, we need we need to translate our—you know, everybody's concerned about uh, kids who need help, but we need to translate that mainly into U.S. public policies. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the government, the U.S. government play, has played a role, big role in the reductions in hunger and poverty that we've achieved, and we got to get them to do more. It's not just assistance, but also policies that help people get a good job and and uh, provide for their own families. You know, we hear this term used, hidden hunger. What does that refer to? Well, um, a lot of hunger is actually hidden. I mean, in our country, people think hungry. Well, that must be uh, homeless people. But uh, every zip code has hunger. It's really remarkable. Mm-hmm. You know, even in very affluent zip codes, the people who cut the hedges, those kids are often hungry. So it's it's everywhere. And, um, you know, also a lot of people bounce in and out. So there there is a core of people who are intergenerationally hungry and poor. But then maybe half the people who are hungry at any one time Two or three months later, they're going to be able to get a new job, or they figure out, you know, they they're out of it. And then there's an another. Uh, there are just a lot of people who in our country who are just making it. Mm-hmm. So then, if they uh, somebody gets sick, if mom and dad fight and dad moves out, you know, those kinds of things happen in yeah. higher higher income families too. But when they happen, when you're just on the edge, then those families are. Um, Go hungry. Mm-hmm. So that's that's hidden hunger. It was usually when the, the sort of technical thing is just people who are missing certain nutrients. So maybe they get, an, you know, their bellies are full, but um, they're not getting enough vitamin A. They're yeah. not getting um, – and that's a, a very large group of people. Right. But so they we, look okay if you see them, but they're actually not getting the vitamins and nutrients exactly. and therefore suffering because right. of that. And that's probably 2 billion people in the world. Yeah, yeah. Um you talked about children before. What is the impact of malnutrition on very young children? Let's say from the time a woman gets pregnant to when the child turns two years old. What can happen? Well, Denver, that's, Denver, that's a really good question, and it's a smart question because that's the key time. It's from conception to age two. That's 1,000 days. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the brain of a baby is being formed in that period. The bodies are being formed. So if if that uh, baby lacks um, good nutrition, the body and brain do not form correctly. In you know in low income countries, that you can just if there's a if they do an MRA, you can see that synap- there are holes in the brain tissue. Mm. the The synapses have not formed, and once that happens, once that damage is done to a child, it is irreversible. Oh wow. So we really have learned that if you have limited dollars, focus on pregnant women and babies. That's that's the most urgent always. It's it's true in our country too. 
Yeah, you know, I was seeing that about 6 million children who will die before the age of 5, 45% of those will die because of malnutrition. And that's right. a startling statistic. And then it's, it, and then <clears throat> it's many more, many, many more who uh, don't die, but they are stunted mm-hmm. in their, their, the growth, their development of their body, and often their brain. It's the brain that kills me that we're letting, you know, especially in our country. Why would we want, why would we allow children in our, who are going to be living uh, in our country for the rest of their lives, why would we allow that to be that they don't get a, enough good nutrition it's to, inconceivable, isn't to it? let their brain develop? Yeah. You know, if, if you're concerned about earning capacity of, you know, we want these people to work, well, the, the way to, one way to help people, the, the workforce be productive and be able to earn a living is to make sure the workforce gets enough nutrition when they're six months old. You know, David, we are a society preoccupied with bad news, but there really has been some dramatic progress in reducing hunger and poverty. I know we have a long way to go, but tell us what kind of progress has been made over the last several decades. It's absolutely just stunning. Um, from about 1990 to until today, global hunger has uh, dropped dramatically. There were more than 2 billion people in the world in absolute poverty in 1990. We have pretty good numbers on that, actually. That's down from 2 billion to less than a billion, hmm. 700 million. So it's like about a third of, the, of what it what The number, even though the global population is growing, the number of people in absolute poverty is roughly a third of what it was yeah, through and decades. It's, and it's actually less than 10% for the first time in human exactly, history. It, it, exactly, exactly. So, uh, again, I'm a preacher, so <laughs> I think this is God. Honest to God, mm-hmm. I th- I think this is, um, it's like the exodus of the Bible, but much, much bigger. I, this is uh, an experience of, in my view, of uh, our loving God on the move in our own time. Um, and then also in the U.S., in the U.S., um, we, uh, we've made, if you look at it over a longer period of time, from, say, 65 until today, the number of people in poverty in the U.S. is about half of what it was. Um, but in our country, most, almost all that progress was made in the late 60s and early 70s. Right. What happened was we just decided as a country we got to do something about poverty. Mm-hmm. So in the administrations of Johnson and Nixon, mm-hmm. we set up poverty assistance programs like Medicaid, SNAP, WIC. Yep. And um, – those programs have been under attack ever since, but over the years as a country, we've decided to keep those programs in place and improve the impact of those programs. And even today, they <clears throat> if we didn't have the means-tested federal programs, we'd have twice the poverty we do have. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think our country, that's important for people to know that we know a lot about how to reduce poverty, not just to help an individual family. That's important, of course. But um, we know that policy, government policies, can uh, certainly assist people, provide good nutrition for babies, but that government policies can also make it easier for low-income workers to get a job that pays. Yeah. Well, you, you make the point that it is a very complicated issue. A lot of people look at hunger and they think of food assistance, but you have to think of conflict. You have to think sure. of poverty. You have to think of climate change. It's a multifaceted issue. When you really look at the breadth of all those. Right. But, I mean, what's not complicated is the need for organized give-a-damn. Yeah, organized give-a-damn. So that's the th- I mean, so then 
if if there is organized give a damn to solve it. You know, you can say to your member of Congress, solve this. Mm-hmm. You get, it helps to be specific. But then, you know, somebody else can go into all the complicated technical stuff. You don't need to – what the citizen needs to do is say, when I go to vote in 2020, I'm going to be voting for candidates who are going to help provide help and opportunity for people at the bottom mm-hmm. in our country and around the world. This is important to me. Maybe I've been there. My sister's been there. I can see this is something we ought to fix. Yeah. Well, your signature um – Organized Give a Damn program is something <laughs> called Offering of Letters. Uh, how did that get started? And tell us how that works. Well, it started way back in 1974. Yeah, in, right from in the New York very outset City. then. Okay. Right. Uh, somebody, uh, a lady in uh, the Founders Church here in uh, a poor, low, mixed race, poor church here in, in New York, she had the idea of uh, instead of taking up an offering of money every time, you know, let's, in addition to the offering of money, let's take up an offering of letters to Congress. So so that lady, uh, her idea has taken off, and now sure um, hundreds of churches all over the country mm-hmm. every year uh, talk about some specific issue. This year we're really focused on what we can do to end global malnutrition, you know, the, the, those babies that we were talking about globally. And uh, so a lot of churches talk about that issue in church, help people understand it, and then focus, like this year we're focused on a global nutrition resolution. Mm -hmm. So those churches across the country and then some people who get really into it, have uh, they've recruited 226 members of Congress from both parties as co-sponsors of the global nutrition resolution. That's now moved uh, through the House Foreign Affairs Committee. It's on the way to a vote on the floor of the House. It's on the uh, the Senate chair, the chair of the Senate uh, Foreign Relations Committee is from Idaho. Bread for the World organized a meeting of 100 constituents with him back home. So uh, in that meeting, he committed to putting it on the agenda of the Foreign Relations Committee at their next meeting. So that it's on its way to the floor of the Senate. So what we what the churches have been able to do even in this year's really toxic and divided political environment we've been able to, that offering of letters has been able to recruit broad bipartisan support mm-hmm. for continued leadership by our government in pushing toward the end of child malnutrition about 10 years ago we got new evidence so we have new style evidence-based ways of Reducing child nutrition, mm-hmm. malnutrition among babies and pregnant women. And those programs have reduced the number of um, stunted children in the world by 15 million over the last seven years. Fantastic. So we've got the argument for, and, and on a, but it's the offering of letters. People in every congressional district going to their member of Congress that's been able to build one by one. Strong bipartisan support. Yeah, and the and the brilliance of that program is that single issue, not this generic "we have to end hunger," but right. really honing in something. and giving them something discreet that you're asking them right. to do and that they can act on, and also that they can think about. Because then, yeah, you know, maybe some years we do an issue where they think, oh, "I don't quite believe, I don't agree with bread for the world." <laughs> I mean, you know, there's nothing about uh, food stamps in the Bible, so <laughs> you know, so they, you know, on some, so it's not that we're asking the the church elders or somebody to take a position for everybody. But we're asking, the church leadership is asking their people to to think about this issue that seems to be really important to hungry people. And if you agree, then weigh in. Having led this organization for nearly three decades, has politics changed in terms of the way you go about your work? Have your strategies and tactics 
had to be altered based on the on the current day environment? Uh, sure, I think uh, uh, partisanship is much more severe. Mm -hmm. The Republican Party's really moved to the right. I mean, I think that's really what's happened. So uh, it's been it's harder for us now to work in a bipartisan way. We're still doing it. Yeah. Um, the the religious character of our organization helps us get indoors on both sides and helps us uh, get the two parties to work together, but it's tougher than it used to be. Um, I think uh, also the rise of money in politics. There's just too damn much money in politics. Mm -hmm. There's a book by that name. Yes, I'll be a <laughs> I don't. I really don't cuss, cuss very much, <laughs> but uh, it's true. Uh, that you know, just as our countries become more unequal in terms of money. Um, People who have a lot of money, big corporations, can uh, spend money. They see that – I mean advocacy leverages big changes. Mm -hmm. So companies and wealthy people uh, pay to influence the political process um, so that uh, the power of money in politics has made it uh, tougher to win. Uh, we do win. I think – you know, we – the fact that we um, really try to be decent to everybody, we're not trying to zap anybody in mm -hmm, Congress, mm -hmm. and then we, we have the facts and we're, we're representing hungry people, for God's sake, hungry kids often. So, you know, being right, there's real power in that. <laughs> yes. And, you know, if people from back home write or come in to see a member of Congress and they're asking him to help us uh, reduce malnutrition among babies— which member of Congress? I mean, typically members of Congress are just delighted to have the visit because they're getting pushed around by um, by big donors, by uh, corporate interests all the time. And to have a people group of people from back home who really care about making the world a better place. Yeah, that's it's something just, they can embrace. Yeah. <laughs> it's not quite as controversial <laughs> yeah, as some I mean, of the they, other issues that uh, they have. And it's conservative and liberal people yeah. that, that they often are really glad to have folks from And, home. you know, you've used the word we uh, a lot of times, and it is important to remember that this is a collective effort. And a key yeah. component of that was something that the organization started called the Alliance to End Hunger. Tell us about that. Right. Uh, Fifteen years ago, Bread for the World is a uh, Christian organization. Mm -hmm. We're not exclusively Christian, but we do some of our materials talk about Jesus, which uh, actually is, you know, very has been very powerful in lots of ways. But it's also a limitation. Um, so uh, because if we're going to end hunger, that's what we're trying to do. We're yeah. trying to virtually end. Right. You're not mitigating hunger. here. You want to no, wipe we, it out. We want to or virtually. I mean, there'll yeah, be some right. people who have drug addiction or something and mm -hmm. they don't eat. But we, we think we can virtually end hunger both in our country and around the world. Uh, but to get that done, we need it can't just be church people. Mm -hmm. So um, we organized the Alliance in Hunger to um, help diverse organizations, Jewish and Muslim groups, secular organizations, corporations, universities, um, uh, hospitals, to help uh, a broad array of organizations that understand that hunger is important to them, um, get involved in the in changing public opinion and changing politics. So um, it's proved to be very, uh, you know, so we've been able to recruit very powerful allies, mm -hmm. uh, a network of hospitals and healthcare providers who realize that that uh, if our, a lot of our people are going home and there's not enough food in the refrigerator, they'll be back to the hospital. So yeah. uh, universities, there are about 200 universities who are part of a 
Universities Fighting World Hunger Network. That was organized by a university, Auburn University, that's part of the Alliance to End mm. Hunger. So uh, uh, that, that, that's been a way of broadening. Um, and and w- we still got a way to go on that. Obviously, we're not, we haven't ended hunger, but uh, the Alliance to End Hunger has been a powerful way to, to get into more places. Yeah. And you're a Lutheran minister, and ending hunger has always been a central issue for the Lutherans, hasn't it? Well, it has. That's. Uh, I mean, I think it's a central issue for a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, but you've been very that, that. I don't know why that is exactly. Yeah. I. Um, but I think it is actually the Lutherans have been uh, consistent on it. I think it's partly because there are a lot of Lutherans in the Upper Midwest, mm. rural people, farm people. You know, so they see the productivity of American agriculture and think, why? Well, you know, why is this happening? Yeah, why? And so a lot of just decent people who are connected uh, to farming and agriculture. Um, uh, want to act. I think also um, theologically, uh, theologically, I think that, you know, Lutherans emphasize uh, God's love, God's grace, God's forgiveness, and there's a lot of power in that. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, actually, a Harvard sociologist did a study of uh, American religion and how it translates into c- civic and charitable life, and he found that people who experience God as a loving presence in their lives are more likely to support foreign aid and food aid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, they don't necessarily go to church. <laughs> and sometimes uh, go, people who go to church, I mean, it depends on where you go to church. But um, That's a whole different show here, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's a different story, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Talk a little bit about the corporate culture at Bread for the World, what you do to shape and influence it, and you know, what aspect do you think of it is working there that is most distinctive and special? Well, the... Um, we have a very active network of people who are not employed by Bread for the mm-hmm. World, but they are the 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 network of uh, people who who give time, give themselves, in some cases a lot of time, to organize Bread for the World activity in their churches and communities across the country. They're very much part of our culture. About a million people now take action with us sometime. Uh, a lot of those people now we connect with digitally. Um, so that's part of our cor- corporate culture, that we realize that our distinctive power is that um, all those people are active, involved, pay attention, and use their influence uh, with their friends and their members of Congress. I think that's distinctive. Uh, in terms of the – it's also remarkably diverse. Mm. We're, uh, both our network and our staff are uh, – uh, multiracial, uh, bipartisan. Um, another thing I think just a, it is really wonderfully, they're well-meaning people. Yeah, They're people who are not only charitable, but kind of go that second mile mm. of saying, it's not just put a nickel on the drum. How do we change it? You know, how do we change things so that people can are not going to be in need? Yeah. And uh, the, the kind of people who... who uh, work as staff on that kind of structural change or who give money mm-hmm. to support that kind of structural change, uh, I'm struck that 
I get to meet a lot of wonderful people. Yeah, yeah. And actually, people like that are generally good people to work with because it exactly. isn't just yeah. towards the cause itself. It's also towards each other. Right. And it's a generous and a kind culture, and that is always yeah. a, a special place to show up every morning, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've got our issues too. but oh, uh, <laughs> I, would, I would hope so. But I think we do, like, we do a good job with interns. Yeah. We, when interns come in, they get a good experience. They don't just send them to the copy machine. Yeah. And that's because the people are nice. Mm-hmm. They, they, they're trying to do the right thing. Let me close with this, David. Um, we've talked a lot about what you do, but what is the impact uh, – of what you do been on you. What have you personally witnessed? What have you personally seen with some of the things that you've started in Congress and maybe mm-hmm. how it's even come back to your own family? Well, one thing that um, I have two adopted sons, uh, and uh, one thing that really hit me was uh, when my older son uh, searched for his uh, birth mother, um, he contacted her online, and uh, within a week she had joined Bread for the World. <laughs> and I thought, what's this? And, um, you know, we didn't even know her yet. Uh-huh. And, um, it, she, she, looked on, she looked me up, Googled me, and so she knew about Bread for the World. And she saw that Bread for the World has, over the years, uh, strongly supported the Women, Infants, and Children Nutrition Program in this country, WIC. And uh, when she got pregnant way back, she um, she. Uh, didn't have enough uh, money, and so she needed the WIC program to provide good nutrition for the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time, the WIC program, in fact, was under attack, and Bread for the World was campaigning to protect the WIC program, Bread for the World members back then. So um, my son is a really bright, uh, extraordinarily energetic person, but I realize that if it hadn't been for the work of Bread for the World advocates when he was in utero, mm-hmm. he wouldn't. He might not be as bright as he is, and uh, so it really is true that um, that I'm one of the many many beneficiaries of the advocacy of Bread for the World people over many years. That's incredible, isn't it? It really is. <laughs> it really is. Well, Reverend David Beckman, the president of Bread for the World, I want to thank you so much for being here this evening. Now, what can listeners do to help support this work? What do you want them to do? What's their call to action? Okay, well, the the, the door in is bread.org. Mm-hmm. Bread.org, pretty easy. And um, we need money to, to keep the thing afloat, so uh, feel free to contribute, but then we also need we need people who uh, are willing to to think about the how to reduce hunger and poverty, how to reduce it, how to move toward the end of of hunger, and then use their influence with their families and then especially their members of Congress. Yeah. We help people become effective advocates with their members of Congress. You know, it's not enough to to click, but how to move from clicking on a email to being an effective advocate with your member of Congress. It is very powerful. And over and over, maybe the most important thing about bread is that we win. Over and over again, we make changes that help provide help and opportunity to millions, sometimes tens of millions of hungry people. Well, this is the kind of winning we can all embrace. Thanks, Dave. It was great to have you on the show. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you for doing it. I'll be back with more of the Business of Giving right after this.